Welcome to another edition of Inside Analysis. I'm Peter White, and this week, something a little different. We're listening in to a discussion between two seasoned investment professionals from Rare Infrastructure, the global listed infrastructure company based in Sydney. The discussion is between Matt Bushby, Head of Global Distribution for Rare, and Nick Langley, the CEO and co-founder of Rare. And they're discussing the current market volatility and its impact on listed infrastructure assets. Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining us. Matt Bushby here, Global Head of Distribution for Rare Infrastructure. Sitting with me is co-founder and senior portfolio manager at Rare, Nick Langley. Today, it's the 10th of March, 2020 in Sydney. So we're talking after the sharp sell-off in markets uh, that everyone saw around the world on the 9th of March. Um, Nick, first off, uh, thanks for joining me. We thought it was really important to be talking directly to our clients in this podcast format uh, due to the extreme volatility in the markets. Can you just put it in your own words, kind of what's happening? Agreed. It's an important time to catch up. So thank you. Listen, we've had a very sharp sell-off and that's sharp as in, uh, you know, we've seen some limit down days in in markets. Uh, It's also sharp in terms of the time frame with which it's happened. And so, you know, the market really has been quite blindsided by COVID-19, first of all, uh, and most recently, uh, the moves in in the oil market. So, you know, I think what's going on here is you know, we're coming off elevated levels in equity markets around the globe. The market generally had been getting a lot more confident in the growth outlook for uh, for 2020, and you know that was on the back of, of you know if you go back to Q3 of last year and into early Q4, you know there were some real concerns um, for the for the US. And if you've listened to our earlier podcast, you will have heard us say that, uh, you know, we thought that the market was pricing in about a 40% chance of a recession in the US in 2020. That was at the back of uh, at end of Q3 last year. That dropped down to you know, almost zero by the end of the year. So everybody was feeling you know, pretty good about the world. And then, and then obviously that's you know, turned on a, on a dime again. So broadly, the concerns are, will COVID-19 and the spread of that uh, impact economies? What will the impact be on earnings? And the answer to those two questions is quite dependent on what governments do and uh, you know, just how long this goes on for whether governments shut down businesses, schools and, and, and so on. And, you know, that's, we think uh, certainly overnight the market started to price that you know, quite aggressively. Uh, which is why we saw the big uh, the big sell-off. So there is potential for recession in the U.S. this year. There's potential for a global recession um, this year if you know, economic activity really comes to uh, to a standstill. So what's been interesting then about infrastructure in this market? You know, year to date, global equities are off 15. Our value strategy is off about 10. Uh, and our income strategy is off about five. Now, that's what you would expect infrastructure to do. Obviously, over a shorter period of time uh, in the course of the last week or so, you know, the correlations tend to go to one in those very short trading days. Uh, but we would expect over the course of this month, um, you know, we'll see that defensiveness of infrastructure um, come through. So, you know, we'll be down this quarter, no doubt, but we do expect a much better outcome than uh, than global equities generally. What do you put the difference between a value at down 10, income down five? What's sort of driving that difference? Value is a, a balanced strategy. It looks for a balance between income and capital growth over uh, rolling five-year periods, whereas income 
um, really is focused on delivering five plus percent uh, annualized um, dividend yield and as a result tends to be much more conservatively or defensively uh, positioned so higher utility exposures uh, around the globe so you know think of of income as that defensive strategy value is a bit more balanced and so you know it will take a bit more exposure to you know the growth elements of infrastructure the toll roads the airports the rail and ports and so on right now uh, value is relatively conservatively uh, positioned uh, but it does carry more of that uh, user pays exposure uh, than income very much at the defensive end and that I guess that slightly more defensive positioning, you know, value via its history would, I guess, explain, you know, the slight outperformance versus the infrastructure indices as well. Certainly right. We've we've been cognizant that we're getting later in the cycle. And so, you know, when we think about portfolio construction for both value and income, but certainly for value, we recognise that we need to have more defence in the portfolio. And where we do have, you know, a bit of that user pays or that, that beta exposure, we're pretty careful about picking high quality names like you know, Transurban locally, and that's held up pretty well um, through this time period. Probably a good segue into looking at the, the sectors or even you know, subsectors that we have within the portfolios. Are there, you know, we've seen... I guess the energy sector get hit very hard overnight. Um, we might come back to that one in a second. But you know, broadly speaking, you know, have there been sort of movements as expected? Have there been any surprises? What are we seeing in the movements between the various subsectors? What's worth introducing here is is a little bit of context as to you know what's going on in, in markets at the moment. So we did see quite a number of the hedge funds kind of lever up through February, exactly the wrong timing, and they have been you know quite aggressive marginal buyers and and that perhaps led to led to the peak in uh, in February of course all of that has unwound quite quickly and now as that unwound they were getting margin calls and so they were selling the defense in their portfolios and a lot of that was centered around gold so actually first week of, of March when all this blew up gold was off on the week and that was pretty extraordinary that shouldn't have happened um, and it was the uh, the hedges in particular, you know, selling down their gold exposures to to cover some of their margins, and also utilities. So you know, initially the utilities sold off. Um, they've actually recovered quite nicely. Yes, they were down a little last night, uh, but not nearly you know anything like the market. So we've seen kind of a, an unwind of a number of positions. So a lot of technicals in the in the trading. Broadly, we've seen utilities. You know, when I look over the over the time period, dip, come back, so they've held up well. Um, the towers companies uh, have also held up well. You know, they're in, the, in a lot of the REIT indices and so on now. Uh, and uh, a number of the smaller utilities have kind of underperformed um, their their better quality pairs. And then you've got you know rail companies, um, airports, and so on. Uh, which have which have sold off kind of to a, a, a mid level you know double digit drops, uh, and then you know most recently the the pipelines have been caught up with the oil and the the energy sell off. Can, can we just touch on that pipelines comment a little bit further? You know, one of the the hallmarks of rare is the the definition of our own investable universe. We we screen out companies that are explicitly exposed to commodity prices. Why have we seen you know, the companies, the pipeline companies especially, sell off so hard? Broadly, what has happened is the concerns around growth globally have resulted in a view that you know, as economic growth is going to slow, then the demand for oil is going to slow, and therefore the oil price was dropping. 
OPEC got together to, you know, talk about their production levels and and they've been constraining their production to try and keep oil prices a little higher. And the relationship between OPEC and Russia, who actually sits outside of OPEC, but has been constraining their production as well, that all broke down. And so basically from from an OPEC perspective and and a production perspective, all bets are off. They're going to flood the market with oil at a time when demand is coming back. And so we've seen the oil price drop uh, and it you know dropped thirty percent yesterday, um, and it you know probably continue to go a little further. Now, um, the pipeline companies don't have direct exposure to commodity prices, but a lot of their customers do. And so, in this kind of panic in the in the market, you know, market's a little worried about uh, some of the customers of the pipeline companies and the potential for them to need, uh, you know, refinancing or even bankruptcy protection or something like that in the in the U.S., which would interrupt, you know, potential revenue streams and will certainly interrupt forward growth projections, um, which obviously goes to you know the multiples that these stocks will trade on. How much work do we do on the underlying customer base? of the pipelines that we own? The short answer, and excuse my language, is a hell of a lot. Um, so we've been through this before in 2015. You know, we, we bear the scars, we learned some lessons. And so we do a lot of work now on the credit profile of the customers for each of our pipeline companies and understand you know, how much of their EBITDA is, is at risk. And when you look at guys like you know, Kinder Morgan and, and Williams, that uh, Williams is in the portfolio today. Kinder Morgan's been in the portfolio recently. You know, that we're talking 3 to 4% of their EBITDA. So it's not a significant amount. But in these sorts of environments, everything gets sold down. Now, the other uh, point, and it's a, more of a technical trading point um, to recognize, is in the US, a lot of the institutional owners of these pipeline companies are leveraged funds. And so once you get a sell-off happening, it becomes self-perpetuating because they get margin calls, they've got to sell more stock to cover those margin calls and delever um, their funds. And so you tend to get quite a significant turnover in the market within a short space of time. And you know we've obviously seen that yesterday. We may see that uh, over the next couple of days as well. You touched on a couple of sort of comments in that section on you know, credit quality and, and so forth. One of the I guess the, the things that people look at infrastructure and utilities and say they're, they're sometimes more highly geared than your typical industrial type company. Are we seeing any evidence of credit stress amongst the broader portfolio? The short answer is no across the broader portfolio. Obviously, pipelines, we've made some comments there. There are some concerns around their, their customers. But regulators are quite prescriptive as to how much debt these companies should have. And they recognise that in the allowed returns. So, you know, UK water sector, example, currently the regulator expects the companies to have 60% debt against their their asset base. In the US, it's anywhere from 45% up to 55%. And the regulators say, you know, if you move too far away from that, then I'm actually going to change your allowed return. So I want you, company, to have an optimised balance sheet to help keep your cost of capital down to help keep the consumer bills down. So, so in the listed space, at least, we haven't seen 
you know, leveraging up of these companies over time? No, we haven't. You know, in the unlisted world, they're famous for kind of double levels of leverage and, and all the rest of it. Um, we don't see that in the in the listed space. We track that right across the portfolio. And, you know, as we sit today, the level of leverage or gearing in the in the port of the portfolio companies, weighted average is, you know, about 38% net debt to to total capitalization so you know pretty pretty conservative at the end of the day and the regulators as i say they're prescriptive about how much debt these companies should have and they set aside a certain amount of revenue to uh to cover the uh the debt component of the capital structure big question i guess with the the portfolios you know, in this kind of volatile market, what have we been doing in terms of you know positioning changes within the portfolios yeah yeah well you know, the, the first step is not to panic and to kind of step back and wrap a, a cool towel around the head. The approach that we've taken is, let's be clear, we assume from uh, from the majority of our clients, they want us to be fully invested. And so we are, we generally run less than 5% cash. So what we have done is uh, taken the opportunity to, particularly with the sharp sell-off in the utilities at the beginning of this process, to actually sell some of the names that had held up well, some of the Canadian utilities in particular, and trade into some of the US names that the hedge funds and the others were selling pretty sharply. Um, so we've done some great trades there. And that's about increasing the quality of the defensive exposures in the portfolio. And that was really a last week deal. We got all that trading out of the way. Overnight, we've seen some further falls, and we may well see further drops in some of the more economically exposed rail companies and so on. We're not ready to buy them yet, but if we saw uh, another big sell-off, then we'd be in a position where, you know, tactically and for the for the value strategy, this might be five percent of the the portfolio. Tactically, we could see some selling of the more defensive utilities to pick up some very cheap cyclical stocks but ones that have been beaten up really badly in the market. So, you know, our view is that's the that's the kind of next stage to come. Um, so to recap, to date, we've been trading out of some of the names that have that have held up well to buy quality that has sold off. And the next stage would be tactically to get a little bit more exposure to, to some of those cyclical names. And that's a common across the value and the income strategies? Yes, income to a greater degree in, in terms of trading in amongst the utilities. Uh, and that's because it has a much higher exposure. So, uh, so you know, we've done a little bit more work there. What are we saying about liquidity in the market? So because infrastructure is at the more defensive end of uh, markets, when we get these periods of volatility, we see an outsized increase in the liquidity amongst the infrastructure stocks. So when you look at the trading, say, of last week versus earlier in February, the general market, liquidity in the general market is up about um, two-thirds, 66%. Um, uh, and on the infrastructure side is up about 75% across the names in, in our portfolio. So we have seen, you know, our size increase in the in the liquidity and really that's centered around obviously the larger capitalization companies. But certainly from an infrastructure perspective, we get an increase of liquidity during these periods of volatility. What's the outlook for the future? It's been, you know, as you, as you mentioned up front, it's been a very short, sharp move um, based on a sort of a couple of external 
variables. What's our, our gut feel of what's going to happen from now? What, what are we looking for in terms of you know, that next move in portfolios, as you mentioned? From a market perspective, we've obviously had a recalibration of expectations. Over, and that's occurred within a very short period of time, and that's that's given the given rise to the precipitous drop in in markets. As to what happens from here, there's a broad range of of scenarios that could roll forward, and a lot of that centres around what decisions governments make in terms of closing down schools, closing down businesses, and the implications that that might have for industrial production, for services businesses like restaurants and, and, and so on. And broadly, the governments are trying to spread the peak of the infections in this pandemic to reduce the strain on the medical facilities. But by doing that, you're balancing damage to the economy. And so... You know, for us capitalists and markets, we'd like to get it over as quickly as possible. So let's get everybody sick. We'll recover and then and then move on. Whereas, you know, really to to you know health and well-being of, of citizens, we need to spread that peak as much as we can. So it does depend kind of how long everything gets gets shut down for. Our view is markets pretty close to pricing in a recession, certainly in the in the US this year. Arguably, that's a bit of a, an overreaction, at, given what we know at this point in time. Nick Langley, thanks very much for joining us today. Uh, We will be back recording these podcasts regularly uh, during this volatile period. If you'd like to have any more information, please uh, contact your local sales representative.